All right, Matthew chapter 8, and I'm going to read some passages through a couple of the different uh, Gospels. It'll be the similar uh, passage, but one thing about the Gospels is they go together, even though they're very similar and a lot of the same in a sense, we look at repetition. Sometimes they give a different insight. Uh, the different men that wrote uh, from those passages um, doesn't change the Bible. And make no mistake, this is not about man writing the Word of God. God inspired it. But when God chose the men that he was going to inspire, God also chose the men based on who they are. And uh, so we see, we knew that God would help Matthew, for example, see something with a little bit different view. And God inspired, God told Matthew what to say, but God told them based on their, who they are. For example, Paul, we see a lot of Paul's personality in his writings. That does not take away from the inspiration of God. That just shows how God can use people. And uh, so we're going to see Matthew chapter 8. Uh, this is a story where, where Jesus got in a ship. They're around a multitude. This is not the feeding of the 5,000. There's a couple different storms that the disciples went through. And uh, they are very different. This is the first one. This is earlier in the ministry, in, in Jesus' earthly ministry. And uh, they, they went through, had this storm, and as they saw this storm, this is about the disciples learning something. Um, that you see Jesus is teaching a couple different places. Uh, the big picture, almost all of Jesus' earthly ministry, was teaching the disciples how to serve and what to do when he was gone. Along with that, he did try to teach some people who he is as the Messiah and give signs to the Jews. So when he was gone and the disciples took over, they recognized them as being with Christ. Um, but much of Jesus' teaching was about teaching the disciples. For example, uh, the feeding of the multitudes. When Jesus took the feeding and, and said, sat all, told the disciples, hey, you go do the work, go sit them down. Um, and then he had turned to Philip and said, hey, how are we going to feed these people? And Philip said, well, I, we don't have money. What are you going to do? Well, then they brought, there's a boy here, and Jesus performed the miracle. But then Jesus had the disciples do the service so the disciples could see that miracle happen. Do, do you think over the multitudes, there probably could have been 20, I know the Bible we talk about is the feeding of the 5,000, but if you read that passage, um, they only numbered the men. Um, so it, there could have been, if they were there with wives and children and, and families, there could have been 20,000 or more people there in that multitude that Jesus fed. And uh, so as they went, do you think people, 20,000 people back in the multitude up the hill on the grass, you think they saw and heard everything going on as Jesus blessed that? They didn't know. They know they got fed. But most of them people in that multitude had no idea what happened. That was a tool, that was a, a, a setting, yes, Jesus was a blessing to people. Jesus helped some people, and Jesus was concerned about the multitude, but that event was to teach the disciples something. That, that event was there to show the disciples, hey, you feed them. Hey, here's five loaves and, and two fishes, now break them up, now the 
12 disciples, you go feed the multitude and watch it multiply and then they come back. Now pick up the leftovers. And uh, so they, they were, that was about teaching disciples. This is an event where Jesus was by himself with the disciples, no one else around, and they're coming into this storm. Matthew chapter 8, and we'll start reading in verse 23. And when he was entered into the ship, his disciples followed him. Um, we could almost stop there and preach on that. Just follow Jesus and you'll be okay. Now notice, the idea of following Jesus didn't make the storm go away, did it? Um, but we can watch how Jesus works in that storm. When, his, when he was entered in the ship, his disciples followed him. And behold, there was a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. But notice the two um, drastic things of, of course, Jesus is God and the Son of God, and he knew what he was going to do, so Jesus had that peace. And we'll come back to that thought in a little while, but, but notice this, this, uh, the, this storm, it covered the ship. These were experienced fishermen, some of them were, and they went on, and this was not something to be taken lightly. They were in grave danger, and, uh, but Jesus was sleeping. Many times if we had something in our life, we wonder to look around, hey, God, God, are you, are you sleeping on me? What's going on? Uh, what, what's it? Jesus was right there with them, and he was sleeping while, while the disciples were afraid for their lives, legitimately. I mean, this was not a small deal, and uh, Jesus is sleeping, but, but we'll come back to that thought. Um, but he was asleep, verse 25, and the disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he saith unto them, Why are ye so fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? So notice before he calmed the storm here, he said, Why are ye so fearful, O ye of little faith? Well, that's a big statement. These are some of them, like I said, Peter, a couple of them, might even been their ship, I don't know, but they were experienced fishermen. They knew the sea. They knew how bad it was. And uh, Jesus said, why, why, why are you afraid? And uh, we, we, we'll look at that. Thought. Let's go over to Luke. Um, I'm sorry, let's go to Mark first, Mark chapter 4. We'll see Mark's account. Mark chapter 4. And verse 35, Mark chapter 4 and verse 35. Um, uh, let me say this, some comments about the, the, the faith. If you go back and read in front of this here, Mark 4, um, similar story. I didn't cross-reference every part of this. But if you go back up where we're reading just before they got in the ship, Jesus was teaching on the grain of mustard seed and having faith. So Jesus' comments are of faith here for these men that saw the water coming in their ship and saw a legitimate crisis. They were about to die from their life experience and their expertise. Said, hey, our ship is filling up with water. We're going to die. This is not something we can undo. When, before they got in the ship, Jesus was teaching on having the faith of a mustard seed. And uh, so, so pay attention when Jesus, when we have the word of God, listen to it. And it will help you. 
This isn't something that sometimes we have a crisis in our life and then we go to try to figure out or help or the Bible or is there really something there that might be able to help me? If you listen along, the Holy Spirit works and you read the Bible and hey, you may not need that thing today, but you'll need it later. Jesus just finished preaching on the, on the grain of the mustard seed, how much faith and, and, and having all this and, and working with the kingdom of God. Now we come into um, verse 35, Mark chapter 4 and verse 35. And the same day when even was come, he saith, let us pass over to the other side. And when I sent away the multitude, uh, they took him even as he was in a ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there rose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. Um, that's not a small thing. If you're in a boat, the water's supposed to be on the outside of the boat, not the inside. But it said they were full. The water was, the ship was full. Um, and uh, if they would have stopped to realize that in faith, now we have the, the advantage of hindsight and looking at the Bible. Even though we, they saw physically Jesus sleeping, Jesus at that moment might have been the only thing keeping that ship above water. And uh, so sometimes we miss that when we think, oh, God doesn't do it. Um, when you, next time you think God doesn't help you, maybe your problem is you just don't think God's helping you the way you think God should be helping you. Um, if this ship was literally full of water, it should be sinking already. Uh, it, it, I know this isn't in the Bible, but just, hey, just uh, I've been in boats, and, and, and uh, if, if there's too much water inside the boat, um, there's been times we'd go play, and we'd be out swimming and, and playing, and I've sunk uh, small boats, obviously, but, but where we've sunk the boat on purpose. And, and pulled it back out and got the water out, but, but uh, it, it doesn't take. If, the, if the, there's, the boat is full of water, it's going to sink. And uh, so, um, so, the ship, so that is now full. Verse 38, And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they wake him, and saying, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And uh, what an accusation. I, I see that all the time in common. If we're not cautious, we do that to other people. And uh, we just make an assumption. Because Jesus is sleeping, because Jesus had peace, because Jesus knew what God was doing, because Jesus was showing in an earthly example of the kind of faith we should have in a situation, they just came to him, he was sleeping on a pillow, they're afraid for their life, the ship full of water, and they come back down and say, hey, don't you care about us? Well, of course he cares about them. But again, they're making an assumption on what they think Jesus was thinking based on their own fear at the moment. Instead of just, hey, Jesus, what do we do? Can you help us? And uh, so they're saying, hey, um, uh, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? That's a big statement. And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? So, so they were fear. I think in awe. I don't think they were afraid of Jesus necessarily, but they were fear for, hey, what's this faith we're talking about? What is it that we're looking at? What, what just happened? What, what, uh, I think it's of that respectful fear that we should have with God. But notice Jesus' statement here in, in this account. 
And uh, why are you so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? There are times in the Bible where Jesus made comments about having little faith. But now he's telling the disciples, he said, you had no faith. That, that's a big charge. That, that's, a bi that's a big deal. Let's go over to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. And verse 22, Luke 8, 22. Now it came to pass on a certain day that he went into a ship with the disciples, and he said to them, let us go over to the other side of the lake. And they launched forth, and as they sailed, he fell asleep. And there came down a storm of wind on the lake, and they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we perish. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. And they said unto them, Where is your faith? And they, be afraid, uh, being afraid, wondered, saith one to another, What manner of man is this? For he commandeth even the winds and the water, and they do obey him. And uh, so I, I want to give uh, some thoughts here, um, a little bit about faith. This will not be, be lengthy or, or, or real in-depth, but, but I want to give a thought. I was actually studying, came across these passages that we were studying for Sunday school. We're in Sunday school, we're now in Genesis chapter 7, and, and where Noah went into the ark, and was, God sealed the door, and they were safe from the flood because of Noah's obedience to God. And uh, that led me to looking at some of these passages, and, and uh, I was thinking this, uh, this account, as we see these men, Men who were learning down, they had enough faith at some point to start following Jesus. Remember, this is early in Jesus' ministry, so they've seen a couple people healed, they've seen them do a couple things, but they're still kind of getting to know them, and they're still learning about who this man Jesus is, and, and uh, they're looking, but so they're, they're going out. So they had enough faith to remember, especially uh, uh, Peter and, and uh, some of those men that, that, that and James and John, they just threw their nets and their business, their livelihood away, and said they'll follow Jesus, and, and, and so they, they had some faith at some point but in this matter Jesus looked at them and said where is your faith or why do you have no faith now remember our definition from studying in the past about faith is faith is the idea of trust but it always goes along with obedience um, in this case, you could say hey, obedience or trust or watching what Jesus did and what Jesus taught, and they have this idea uh, of faith. What they were looking at is their current circumstances and their current um, or man-made education, if you will. Man, we could apply that to a whole lot of things today going on out there. But, uh, but, but what they looked at, some of these men were fishermen. There were fishermen in that particular sea. They knew how the winds worked. They knew how dangerous it was. And they knew, and when there were those professional fishermen in the boat in a sea they were, they, they were familiar with, and it got so bad, this wind was so bad, that it filled the ship. They knew they were in trouble. They had no way out. 
everything they knew from their life, from their experience, from what they were taught, from what they'd seen in the past, from what they could look at and know there's current circumstance, and in their mind, they had no way out. That's why Jesus said, what, what about your faith? If they would have stopped, I wonder if they could have stopped, and obviously this is my opinion now, the Bible didn't say this part, but if they would have just stopped for a moment and say that, hey, Jesus is with us, we're full of water, and we're not sinking. What if they would have just stopped and had that thought just for a moment? Well, maybe that's what Jesus was referring to when Jesus said, you have no faith. Because if the ship was full, it said they were full of water. It didn't say it was raining hard. It doesn't say it said they were, the ship was full of water. Um, that's a problem. If they would have just stopped and said, "Well, I know Jesus is sleeping, but hey, we're not sinking yet. Something's going on." Maybe they could have had some faith there. Maybe they could have looked around and said, hey, maybe, hey, this is a very unusual storm. And, and we're watching. Maybe the wind's a little stronger, a little different than normal. Or maybe just because we're obedient to Jesus. Jesus said, let's go to the other side of the sea. So Jesus had a purpose. They were going, they just weren't just out cruising the water. Uh, Jesus said, hey, I want, we need to go to the other side. And there's a reason we'll come to that in a moment. But Jesus said, hey, we need to get over on the other side of this lake, on the other side of the sea. And, and, and as they're going, Jesus said, I'm going to sleep. There's several things here that tell me in, in my thought, in my opinion, that Jesus had one purpose here to teach the disciples something. And they're going on and said, well, Jesus wants to get, Jesus is the one that wanted to come here. Jesus is the one that went in the ship and said, we need to go to the other side. And the disciples, we saw in two of the accounts, and the disciples followed Jesus. So if they would have realized just for a moment that we're here in the ship, even though we have some familiarity, even though we know this lake, even though we know how it works, even though we know how storm, bad the storm is, even though we see the water inside the ship, we can look around and say, hey, we're, we're following Jesus right now. Jesus is the one that wanted to go to the other side, and we found him. Maybe there's something there. We've already seen him heal people. We heard it. We just heard him teach uh, about having the faith of the mustard seed, and and man, with that just tiny bit of faith, we could move mountains and 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 and, and see great things done. And just maybe, a little maybe, that's what Jesus was talking about when he said, "You have no faith." Um, but maybe they could look at realize that hey, Jesus is sleeping. But Jesus is here. Maybe they thought, well, Jesus is sleeping, but, but Jesus is at least close. Hey, Jesus is sleeping, but we're going here on his accord. And we followed Jesus. Jesus didn't follow us. And they could look at him every time Jesus got up. But when they came to Jesus... Also, a pattern throughout Scripture we see in prayer. Uh, I'm not teaching on prayer this morning, but but uh, as we preach, we see. You notice Jesus didn't what Jesus wanted them to ask him. I think Jesus went to sleep just to prove the point here. Um, Jesus may have been physically tired. He was here as man in the flesh, but but maybe it was just a point they finally came to wake him up. Even with the accusation of "Don't you care about us?" but they, hey, come and ask him. They come and ask me. He got up and he took care of it. 
So Jesus had that purpose. And uh, so if we follow that purpose and see this element of what faith is, let's go to Hebrews quickly. Hebrews chapter 11. I know it's a, a familiar verse, but but Jesus kind of made it. They did accuse Jesus wrongfully, assumed Jesus didn't care. But at the same time, Jesus charged them. Now, he's God. We believe it, and, and it's true, whatever we think about it, that Jesus basically said the disciples had no faith. Hebrews 11.1, 1, we see a definition of faith. Now, faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. If you go through and read the rest of the chapter in Hebrews chapter 11, you'll find Noah being one of the first. You'll find a, a list of people in the Old Testament who did great things for God, and God blessed them, but you'll find the word faith used over and over and over again in Hebrews chapter 11. The interesting thing of one reason that we can tie it to obedience, as you go read the accounts of those lives in the Old Testament, when that happened, you never find the word faith. You find they obeyed and did what God told them to do. So, so there's an example there. So we see an element of what faith is. It's, it's, the, it's the substance of things hoped for. Now remember the word hope in the Bible, when it comes to the things of God, it's, it's always a sure thing. For example, in Titus 1-2, where it says, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. So we have that hope in God, but hope in God is a sure thing, not a chance thing. Uh, I'm not just saying, hey, I hope one day to have whatever it is we think we want. Um, it, when hope is referred to things of God, it's a sure thing in the Bible. So it's a substance of those things hoped for. It, it, it's, it's what makes that happen. In other words, um, faith is a sign. I hope for eternal life in the biblical sense. Because I trust God, my substance of that hope is not a chance. It's not saying somebody buys a, buys a lottery ticket that you have almost zero chance of winning and says, I hope one day to be a multimillionaire because I'm going to win the lottery. That's not the kind of hope that the Bible's talking about. It's a hope based on a surety of the things of God. That verse in Titus that we looked at a moment ago, and hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. So we have a promise or a hope of eternal life based on or the substance, faith is the substance, of things hoped for. So my substance of the hope of eternal life is my trust or faith in God that God will do exactly what he said he'll do. He sent his son to die and to shed his blood and be that sacrifice for my sins in my place. I accepted that gift I did it God's way, so my hope is sure. My hope of eternal life is not a chance. It's based on the substance of what I'm hoping for. That substance is the Word of God. It's the evidence of things not seen. I have evidence that because I believe God, that I'm saved, that I'm a child of God, and that, 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 that evidence 
even though somewhat unseen, it says, hey, the Holy Spirit, I've seen the Holy Spirit work in my life. I've seen God do things in my life. I've seen God answer prayer in my life. I've seen God give me direction in my life. I've seen that, that, that peace that, that passes all understanding in my life. I've seen God do those things. He doesn't do those things if you're not a child. And, and, and so I have that evidence of faith. Now back in our story um, in the Gospels, these men in the ship that Jesus is trying to teach, they have this idea of hope. They were so looking at their circumstances. They were so looking at what's happening right now that they couldn't see that Jesus is sleeping. And when it came to their thought, then their thought process is that, hey, Jesus is, is sleeping. He's in the back of the ship. Then they went to go to Jesus, and it kind of dawned that, wait a minute, Jesus, why are you sleeping? Hey, how come you watch the world? Have you watched the world in a cry? We've seen it the last several weeks um, with, with, with the virus, with the riots, with all the craziness in the world. Um, that people get, it's almost like people that live in a panic. They get upset that you're not panicking with them. It's, it's weird. People without peace of God, without God's peace, when, when they, I'm not, not talking about whether it's, it's a legitimate thing or not legitimate or, 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 or whether there's some fear that, that's justified or not. That's not the point. The point is you watch the people living in panic. They're actually mad at us if we're not panicking with them. And that's kind of where the disciples were with Jesus. If you're not all worked up and you're looking at, hey, water's in the ship, we're going to die. And Jesus, how come you don't care about us? What evidence had Jesus ever given the pretend that they could possibly think that he didn't care? But he's trying to think, and he came back with his response was, "Where's your faith? Where's your faith? How come you're not trusting in?" And, and, and I wish I said it's my pit, not in the Bible, but I just wonder. I think the way it's described, that maybe. Jesus was the one keeping the ship above water in the first place. And uh, so they can't. Let's go to John 14. John chapter 14. And verse 27. Um, back up a little bit. This is Jesus leaving, talking about giving the Holy Ghost. Let's go, let's go to verse 26. John chapter 14 and verse 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. So the Holy Spirit's our teacher, but, but to whatsoever I have said unto you. So what I've taught you, Jesus is the Word. He's talking to his disciples, but he said, what I've taught you, we now have Jesus teaching in the Word of God. So the Holy Spirit helps us learn and remember um, those things. I've had many times where I've been been preaching or, or, or talking with somebody that, that I'd read in my, my devotional reading time or another study that had nothing to do, I thought, with my outline or something in the middle of a sermon. 
I, I've had God, the Holy Spirit, recall a, a passage of Scripture, and I was able to turn the Bible, find it, and add that in with the Holy Spirit's prompting it when it wasn't in my notes. I've had times where God has helped me through the Holy Spirit recall something from the Word of God um, that I didn't know I didn't have committed to memory, but because I had at least read it and, and looked at it and, and, and had it in my mind, the Holy Spirit could bring it back. And uh, so I, I've seen that happen where it'll be remember, what it's over time. Verse 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. But Jesus is telling the disciples here before when he, he's gone, he said, one day I'm going to send this comforter. But he said, I'm going to give you my peace. I wonder if the disciples here thought back to the time they were in that ship and, and thought about that time where, where, where they were drowning and thought they were going to die because the ship was full of water and, and realized that while they were in panic mode, when they were so afraid and were going to die based on all the knowledge they had that they could look at a ship full of water and remember, hey, Jesus was sleeping. During all that, a massive storm, the ship being full with water, and, and, uh, and, and, and all that, and Jesus was sleeping during that storm. They had to wake him up. I wonder if they recalled that, where Jesus said, my peace I give you. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life. Jesus said, uh, Jesus said hey, I'm going to give you my peace. Peter learned that later. We'll, we'll not turn there for the moment. But remember when G Peter was put in prison? After, after uh, Jesus went back to heaven and Acts, we'd see Peter in prison. And he was chained to the, to the, to the soldiers in that cell. And the angel came in. And, and, set, and, and the chains fell off. The walked angel escorted him out. Uh, the angel had to wake Peter up. Peter learned this lesson. Uh, Peter learned this thing about having Jesus at peace. He might have learned a long time and learned the hard way, but, but he learned it. And uh, we see that later in his life. Let's go to John chapter 20. John chapter 20 and verse 21. John 20 and verse 21. Then Jesus said unto them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. He's talking about sending them out into the world to give the gospel. And, and uh, as he's leaving, getting ready to go to heaven, he said, hey, I'm sending you guys out to do the work now. But, he, but the first thing he said, peace. He said, I can give them peace as you serve God. And uh, so as we have that idea of peace and come along with peace, I, I, I'm not going to elaborate a lot. Let's turn to Acts chapter 5. Um, we'll see something here. Along with peace, and I'm not talking about arrogance or being against people, everyone in the world, and, and it's funny, sometimes we see people get a little crazy with stuff. Um, that's not what I'm talking about, but I'm talking about legitimate in the things of God, um, with what God told us to do. Um, when we have, Jesus said, yeah, peace, I'm sending you to do the work. Jesus is gone, now we're in Acts, Acts chapter 5, 
And uh, now we see the, the disciples preaching the word of God. And they're preaching about Christ. And they're preaching who Jesus was. Um, the, yeah, the Jews, especially the Jews. Hey, you guys had him crucified. Um, this is what Jesus did. This is why he was here. And uh, we, we have that. So in, in Acts chapter 5 and verse 29, now they're being arrested before the authorities on preaching and stirring up preach people against their tradition, religion, and uh, verse 29, Acts 5, 29, then Peter said, Peter and the other disciples answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than man. And he went on to preach and, and elaborate on that. He started preaching to them. And uh, so what happens with, you see, the progression of Peter is an example here to learn in peace. We see them back in the ship early in Jesus' earthly ministry. They see the water coming in the ship. They're drowning. We're about to die. Jesus, don't you care about us? And then Jesus well, said, where's your faith? Well, somewhere along the way, we see that faith learned. I already gave the example of Peter being in prison, being asleep, chained to the soldiers. He was condemned to die the next day, and but he had peace. He was sleeping. Now we see here they're brought before the, these authorities to say, "Hey, hey, you you can't preach. You need to stop talking about that Jesus." And here, peace because they have that peace, it also gives them boldness, not arrogance, not not to go condemn everybody, not not to be self-serving, but but God's peace also gives boldness in the gospel. They had enough peace to not care what these authorities may or may not do to them. And they said, we ought to obey God rather than man. If you read a book like I've been through a couple times with Fox's Book of Martyrs or, or something talking about the men and women through history who have obeyed God rather than man, that a church doctor or, or state-controlled church or, 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 or where that became the law and they would literally burn, torture people because you didn't do it their way. And, and, uh, and they said, no, this is what God said. I have to obey God. doesn't matter what you do to me. I'm going to obey God. And the amazing stories of the peace along with the boldness. It wasn't in your face arrogance. It was it was just a peace. I've read stories about people being tortured on the rack, being stretched to every joint, being pulled out of their body, and 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 almost begging the torturer to not stop because the peace of God was on them so much that they'd never seen before. That they didn't want the torture to stop because God's peace uh, meant more to them than what the physical pain was. We, we need to understand this idea of peace in every circumstance. Doesn't make the bad stuff go away. Doesn't mean that we won't have heartache. It doesn't mean that we don't have tough times. It doesn't mean that in, in some cases around the world, persecution and, and, and torture and death even, but God's peace understand something the disciples had to learn and sadly had to kind of learn the hard way as they were in that storm. Where, where Could you imagine the shock, the initial shock 
I've, I've dealt with and tried to help counsel some people that, that, were, that may have been in this state where you look at your, your, your circumstances and, and this is what's going on is really bad and I don't know how I'm going to make it and, and, and it seems like I'm just going to die and, and I'm being overwhelmed with everything and, and, and they're here and they looked and watched Jesus get up and, and they finally, Jesus, hey, don't you care? Hey, we're dying here. What are you going to do? And Jesus gets up and said, how come you don't have faith? Man, what what a what a hit! Wait, wait a minute. What what? Um, what about the storm? Of course, Jesus calmed the storm, and and I believe the whole thing. Let's go back to Mark chapter four, and it's the same in all, all the all the gospels. I, I just picked one here for the sake of um, continuing, but uh, let's go back to Mark chapter four. Um, the other passages. In, uh, that we read in Luke and Matthew. This is all within the same chapter. In Mark, it splits it up going into the next chapter. That doesn't mean anything. I, I just, that's just for information's sake. Um, but uh, as they went down, they took, and they're in the storm. Jesus calmed the storm. Why do you have no faith? And Mark, do you remember when we started this story with Jesus that said, let, in verse 35 here in Mark, um, let us pass over onto the other side. And they followed him. So remember that the initial, this all started with Jesus saying, hey, we got to go to the other side. Jesus had a place to go. And you follow Jesus. Doesn't matter there's a storm. Uh, Jesus used the storm to teach them something. Um, it's not about the storm. It's about following Jesus. Jesus is the one that said we're going to, we need to go to the other side. Why do you need to go to the other side? One is because of the journey. Jesus had to teach the disciples something. I believe, this is my opinion, the Bible doesn't clarify this way, but I believe that Jesus brought the storm on purpose for that journey so he could give a lesson to the disciples. Jesus calmed the storm, talked to them more about faith, tried to give them a, a, a shock and awe about their faith issue and, uh, and, and help them learn that. But why did they go to the other side? Let's go to Mark 5 and verse 1. And they came over unto the other side of the sea in the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship immediately, there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. So Jesus knows sometimes Jesus' direction for our life has nothing to do with us. We've gotten so caught up in our churches, I believe wrongfully, have to try to figure out what do I do with my life and, and what do I want. And we try to make our own plans and try to put our own direction on our life and try to pull God alongside following us and try to convince ourselves that that's God's will. Uh, God just follow Jesus, and Jesus has a plan. We don't always know what it is. Sometimes Jesus wants us to go somewhere that has something to do with helping someone else and really had nothing to do with helping us at all. And uh, so we get that. Jesus said, hey, we have to go. Took the disciples through a storm, teach them. Now, immediately, they landed on the other side, and it says immediately, the man met him out of the tomb with an unclean spirit. This man, I think, again, sort of my speculation, reading in between the lines, um, the fact that the man met them immediately 
says, I wonder if that man filled with an unclean spirit, being tortured and tormented from the inside out, it says he was living in the tombs, and, and they tried at points to, to chain or tie him down. They didn't know what to do with him, so they catch him out of the city. He was living in the tombs. I wonder if he was standing up on that shore. And maybe that man was just looking, just maybe. He was looking out and watched a storm come and watched that ship being tormented and filled and said, there's no way that ship should be above water. And he watched Jesus get up in the front of that ship maybe. And all of a sudden the storm was calm. And he saw, he said, there's somebody in that ship that can help me. There's somebody with my issue. There's somebody there. And he watched the ship as it came to shore. And as soon as it landed, he ran out of the tomb and ran to Jesus. Maybe that storm. The disciples sat back. They were the ones that followed Jesus. The disciples sat back and said, Hey, I, I, I'm stuck here. I'm the one. I'm following Jesus. And now that I'm out with Jesus in the middle of the storm, man, this is horrible. I'm going to die. And it's all about me. And it's all about, I'm stuck. What am I going to do? And the whole journey that Jesus had, it said, hey, there's someone over there that needs mouth. There's someone over there that needs salvation. And the disciples were so caught up in their current circumstances. I believe that whole package together is why Jesus looked at the disciples and said, where's your faith? How come you have no faith? Because they were looking so much at their circumstances, the whole time Jesus said, hey, there's a man over there that's going to need some help. But the way he's going to get help is to watch someone else go through a storm. You know, if our heart's really right with God, we, I'm not saying we want bad things to happen. I'm not saying we should look forward to a persecution. I'm not saying that, that we, we, we need to get down and pray for God. Hey, send some storm in my life. That, that's not it at all. But if, we're, if our heart's right with God, when the storm does come, we can look at God and say, God, I'll take your peace in the storm. God will have enough faith that, that this direction is to help someone. And maybe we get out of that storm and realize there's someone waiting there that's been watching our whole journey. And there's someone waiting there that needs to come to Christ and needs some help with their spiritual life that says, hey, I've been watching you and I think you can help me. And we can open the Bible and we can be a help to somebody that we may have never either been in contact with or been able to help because, because of the direction we were going. The, the bottom line is faith is really about getting, getting our eyes off ourselves and our eyes on God. Faith is about, we got too many Christians in the world living for themselves. That's some of these, the, 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 the charismatic and false religions and all these crowd. It's, what can I get from God? Uh, what can I get out of this thing? Uh, what, what, what is God going to do for me? Uh, what, it's, it's not about being selfish. It's about following Jesus. The disciples did follow Jesus in the ship, but as soon as the storm came up, they forgot who they were following. And that's where faith comes in. Faith will keep our sight on Jesus. Faith is not some great thing or some magical thing or, or some big help to help me in my life. Faith is, says, hey, I follow Jesus to get in the ship, but when the storm comes, faith is just going to keep my focus on Jesus instead of my circumstances. Faith will keep me focused on Jesus instead of what's going on in 
my life. Faith will keep me focused on Jesus instead of what all the bad stuff is going around that, that I could get distracted by. Faith will keep my eyes on Jesus when, it's, when, when things are wrong. You know, later on, the next storm you find the disciples in is right after the feeding of the 5,000. The disciples were in another storm. That's when Jesus walked on the water. And in that time, Peter learned a little bit of something. We know we got distracted, almost drowned, but, but uh, Peter was the one. Jesus, that's you, bid me to come out and, and call me. Jesus came, and Peter's the one that got out of the boat and walked on water. This might have been something to be, be Peter. I think all the disciples could have learned something, but we see more pattern with Peter throughout the rest of the Bible that learn, he learned something about this issue from this experience. And we need to learn from their example Faith is not about some big thing I can get in my life. Faith is about keeping my eyes focused on Jesus, even while we're in the storm. Jesus may or may not calm the storm as quick as we think he should, but faith will keep my focus on him no matter what's going on in my life. And we can use that to go be the example and the witness and the gospel and the testimony that somebody, when we get through that storm and get on the other shore, that somebody might be waiting and said, I've been watching you and I need some help. And we can take our Bible, we can show them how they can have a relationship with Christ and enjoy the same peace that we have. Maybe it's about someone else instead of us even in that storm. Let's all stand together. Or we'll close with a, with a, with a, with a music and a, and a uh, brief invitation. Of course, if you need to come and, and pray and get something right with God, I don't know where everyone's at, but um, our faith in God doesn't mean that we're going to go without a storm just means we need to keep our focus on Jesus while we're in that storm. in prayer. God, I thank you for this day. God, I thank you for giving us your word. God, I thank you for giving these examples of this time when you were on earth and, and helping and even um, might have been just to help the disciples learn. But God, as you did that, you, you recorded it and chose to keep it in the Bible so that we could know and that we could learn from that same event. God, I pray that you'll help us as we go live for you this week, that we'll live in your peace and God, that we'll have your faith so that even if there's a storm, we can keep our eyes on you. God, I pray that you'll help us and give us your peace, even as we go serve you this week. In Jesus' name, amen.